Somehow we hear it. Somehow our heart makes room and we hear an invitation to a deeper way of living, a healing way of living. Maybe your ears were attuned by the birth of your first child. Maybe you heard the invitation because you were sick in body and spirit. Maybe you've been following this invitation since you were a child. Maybe the invitation came in the form of the deepest sorrow. Maybe the invitation came in the form of pure joy. But somehow we hear it. Somehow we hear that invitation that calls us to wake up again and again to this most fundamental truth that the world and you within it are one. The world and you within it are one. Come, let us worship together.
Please join me in the lighting of the chalice. The words are printed in your order of service. Love is the spirit of this church and service its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Friends, I want to let you in on a little secret, and that is that generosity is a spiritual practice. It is a spiritual practice to share the gifts we have, whether they are financial gifts or our time or our talent or our wisdom. It is spiritual work to give from a place of gratitude and joy to be able to say, I am alive. And the only response to that gift of life is to give back. So every Sunday in this faith community, we practice turning our generosity into gratitude. As we collect money for people and organizations outside of our walls, we give away the vast majority of what we collect. Last year alone, we gave about $50,000 away to a variety of nonprofit organizations in the Twin Cities. We are able to practice this generosity because of you all, the members and friends of the church who make an annual financial pledge which allows the church to cover its expenses, and then Sunday morning is a time when we practice generosity. Today we are taking a special offering. The money we collect this morning will be used to fund the minister's discretionary fund. That's a confusing Title. So let me tell you what that means. It's not just money we get to spend on anything, anytime, at that discretion. It is money that is set aside that the ministers have access to. So when members of this faith community or friends of this faith community are in financial crisis, they need help with rent or a mortgage payment or an unexpected medical bill or electrical bill or hearing aids or whatever it might be, and there's all kinds of needs that come up. I've just scratched the surface. We are able to respond. We are able to say, this is the gift we can give you No strings attached. This is us as a faith community supporting one another in those difficult moments we all all have in our lives. So the offering this morning, 100% of it will support the minister's discretionary fund so that collectively we help one another in those difficult moments. It's a way we take care of one another. Again, if you are making part of your pledge payment this morning, please note that in the memo line of your check. If you're making a year-end gift, please do use the white envelope that was in your order of worship. Otherwise, everything that's put into the offering basket this morning will support the minister's discretionary fund. With gratitude for our lives and for the chance for these gifts to be a blessing in this holiday season, let us now give and receive this morning's offering. Will our ushers please come forward?
I invite you to take a moment now to make yourself comfortable in your seats, to place your feet squarely on the floor, to close your eyes if that feels good for you, to breathe deeply, slowly, intentionally, allowing the shared breath of this community to carry you as we turn into silence together. Winter has come, lengthening nights and colder days brought us here, darkness that has felt deep surrounding us. Here in this winter time, in this time of hibernation, of slumber, a corner has been turned, light returning moment by moment through the crisp cold, through the long nights. A corner has turned, and the call is here. Awake. Awake to the light and the dark. Awake to the joy and the sorrow. Awake and know that you can hold it all, that your tender open heart can carry all of it, can transform pain to usefulness, can allow joy to inspire others. Awake and know that these pliable bodies fed by the unquenchable sun can carry it all, can love life, can give back, can celebrate. This morning, our tender hearts open to the challenges and gifts all around us, and our thoughts and prayers reach out especially to those among us who are struggling and to those who are celebrating. Our thoughts this morning are with the Bushbaum family on the death of Marianne Bushbaum, mother of the Reverend Laurie Bushbaum, mother-in-law to Michael Altman, and grandmother to Alice and Elliot. Our thoughts are with the family and friends of Tom Klobuchar, who died last Sunday. Our thoughts are with the Wiley family on the death of Alan Wiley, brother of Jason and brother-in-law of Jean Wiley. Our thoughts reach out to all those who are grieving to all those who are struggling with illness or addiction, to those who are lonely or frightened, to those whose burden feels hard to carry this day or any day, we pray. We know these are but a few of the people we are carrying in our hearts today. And so I invite you to bring the names of those whom you are whom you are holding into our loving embrace by saying their names out loud or by holding them quietly in the silent sanctuary of your heart.
May the warmth of this community and the love we share wrap around these names and these people. May we feel the strength of this embrace as we awake, as we love, as we live. May it be so, and amen. Our reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. And this is the text for our music this morning. Then the kingdom of heaven will look, will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegrooms. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour.
What a weird and kind of disturbing little story to tell at Christmas time. <laughs> you may be asking yourself, shouldn't we ta- be talking about Bethlehem or, or wise men, etc., etc.? Do we really need to hear Bach's little riff on this twisted parable that Jesus told 2,000 years ago? Why can't we just hear some beautiful music at Christmas time in German <laughs> so we don't have to listen to the lyrics? seems to say that some of us are in and some of us are out. It seems to say that at least half of the female population are knuckleheads and should not be trusted. It seems to be intimating that heaven or eternal life is available to some, but not to all. I thought Jesus was supposed to be nice. Are we all supposed to be nice? Uh, Now, many of us who were brought up in various Christian traditions heard something to this effect. Jesus is nice, and we're supposed to be nice, too. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Those of us who are just starting to come to church who are not as familiar with the Jesus stories might understand that Jesus was a great teacher, because that's what everybody says, Eh, but we're not quite sure what he was actually teaching. So if we say that Jesus is a nice and comforting teacher whose birth we celebrate every year, not because he is the son of God, but because he was really, really, really nice. I mean incredibly nice. Then we are in trouble because the Bible is filled with teaching stories and parables of Jesus that are not nice at all. Parables are much like the the Zen Buddhist koans. They are complicated little brain twisters that are meant to capture our attention and turn our world upside down. They are not meant to be nice. They are meant to wake us up. So what are we supposed to see? If it's not about half our in and half our out, then what does the parable mean? What do we need to awaken? Several years ago, I went to hear a theologian at a Presbyterian church in St. Paul. I had never heard of her before, but the place was packed. Theologian Cynthia Bourgeau broke open my way of understanding Jesus and why I call Jesus a great wisdom teacher. Like the Buddha, he was an awakened one. Bourgeau begins by saying that all of us are born with an operating system already installed. She calls it the binary operating system. It runs on the power of either or. It is an operating system of the ego. 
We learn to make sense of the world by differentiating this from that, subject from object. How is a dog different from a cat? How is a car different from a tree? How am I different from you? What makes me unique and special? What makes me different than everything else? All the great religious traditions of the world, and I would say the cutting edge of all scientific discovery, respond in the same way to this kind of perception, to the ego operating system. They all say that way is false. That way is an illusion. Jesus, like so many teachers of the wisdom traditions, was inviting us to upgrade our operating system. Bourgeau calls it the operating system of the heart. Now, the heart is not just a euphemism for emotions or feeling versus intellect. Wisdom traditions of the world use the word heart to describe the organ of spiritual perception. As Bourgeau defines it, the heart is a highly sensitive instrument for keeping us aligned. The heart picks up reality in a much deeper and more integral way than our poor Cartesian minds can even begin to imagine. When we see with the heart, we understand the world and ourselves within it as one, as whole. The phrase, love thy neighbor as thyself, takes on quite a different meaning, she says, in this unified vision of the heart. Neighbor is not separate from self. Neighbor is an extension of yourself. Love thy neighbor as a continuation of yourself. When we try to contain Jesus, when we try to make him nice, then many of the parables or koans of the Christian tradition don't work. They seem mean-spirited on a personal level and devastating on a cultural level, level, justifying all kinds of human misery and environmental devastation. But what if we have misunderstood What if Jesus was talking about an upgrade to a new operating system? Bourgeau says the hard parables, those nasty stories that seem to say some are in and some are out, are exclusively about inner transformation, not about outer actions. Jesus is not talking about sharing or being nice. He's talking about inner transformation. Listen. Ten bridesmaids wait for the wedding party. They all bring lamps. They all bring the lamp that is the heart, the organ of our spiritual perceptions, that organ that can be illuminated in 
order to see the world as it truly is. Some of the maidens think to bring oil to keep their lamps, their hearts, burning and bright. Others forget. The oil symbolizes our inner striving to wake up our spiritual practices that make our hearts more keenly attuned, more ready to greet the wedding party. The wedding party is our emerging understanding of the world as union, the world and you within it as one. The bridesmaids can't share their illuminated consciousness even if they wanted to. As Bourgeau writes, nobody can give consciousness to you. Nobody can take it away. It is impossible to become conscious unconsciously (laughs) through a donation from somebody else. You have to do the work yourself. You have to practice. Nobody likes hearing that. But it's the truth. If you want to play the guitar, you have to stumble with fingers and frets and strings until you can produce a unified chord, a sound in harmony. If you want to play the heart, you have to stumble with prayer, with mindfulness, with relationship, with children, with community, with religious teachings, until your vision is keen, until you can see in harmony. Our life's work is to practice. We miss the party, the deepest truths of, the, of life, of union, when we don't practice. Jesus is seen as the bridegroom in many of the Christian interpretations of this parable, but in my mind, Jesus is the shout heard in the middle of the night. Jesus is the watchman. Buddha is the watchman. Muhammad is the watchman. Lao Tzu is the watchman. Wake up! Wake up, they cry. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love this world as a continuation of yourself. May it be so, and amen.
You have to know your body as the home of God. And this is the purpose of Christmas. The bright star in the night sky is the sudden clarity of your instinct for joy. The birth cry in the night is your child falling into dark and your arms holding her. The terror of Herod's murderous intent is your rage that you would prefer death to change. The singing of the angels is your voice in church. Not sure of the tune, but certain for a moment that there is glory. The animals breathing their warm breath in the fragile stable are emotions kneeling in the body of the earth at ease in the presence of God. Mary is calling, Mary is carrying God in your body. Joseph is sheltering God in the word. This is the key to the mystery, the word becoming flesh. We are the dwelling place. Now, how shall we live?
You have to know your body as the home of God. This is the purpose of Christmas, says Rebecca Parker. Mary is you, carrying God in your body. Joseph is you, sheltering God in the world. This is the key to the mystery, the word becoming flesh. We are the dwelling place. Now, if that doesn't flip your understanding of the Christmas story, I don't know what will. So, says Rebecca Parker, with this new understanding, how will we live? Indeed, this season, beyond the gifts and the eggnog and the lights and the trees and the tinsel, this season invites us into a new way of life. This season invites us to discover our body as the home of God. We discover that these stories are not about some other people in some other time a long time ago, but they are about us right now and how we can awaken spiritually through practices and awareness. This is not easy work. In a fast-paced, buy-it-now world, I would suggest to you we are dismayed when we discover we can't purchase spiritual awakening on our MasterCard or Visa card. We are dismayed and shocked even when we can't throw it into our Amazon.com shopping cart or Google it and just be enlightened. No, it takes practice. It takes stumbling through prayer and worship, through silent meditation and yoga, through religious community and sacred scripture. It takes practice to disable the ego, that either-or part of our operating system so that we can begin to see with the heart and have that word take root in our heart. When this happens, we see that every child is our child, is a holy child. When the heart awakens, we see that we are the grieving parents and the teachers and the students from Newtown, Connecticut. We see that we are Adam Lanza, misunderstood, angry, suffering. When the heart awakens, we see that we are his mother, Nancy, terrified and silent about the struggles we endure. We see that many communities deal with gun violence on a daily basis. And we see that classrooms full of young children die every day because of hunger, lack of health care, lack of housing. When the heart awakens, we see how deeply connected everything is. And we begin to understand that there are laws of the heart and laws of the world, and that the laws of the world cannot fully address the culture of violence that we live in. The laws of the world cannot help us deal with the suffering that so many live with. The laws of the world do not remove the stigma of that we have created around mental illness, nor do they help us treat one another with dignity or compassion. You cannot legislate those things. Laws may help us, but they don't cure what ails us. Only the laws of the heart will bring us into the world of shalom, of right relationships between humans and creation. Only the laws of the heart help us see the underlying connectedness and the full humanity of others, only the laws of the heart can heal this dysfunctional and disenchanted world. So this is one way to understand the parables of Jesus, one way to understand the Christmas story. If our body 
and this earth is the home of that which is most holy and sacred, how then shall we live? How then will we see every body? These old stories point to the spiritual truths we have forgotten. As Minister Roy Phillips says, these stories have the power to reorder our spirits. The star and the babe and the mother and the father, the notion of the incarnation of the sacred in this very world. When wrestled from the grasp of the literalists and the reductionists, those images can work wonders in us and out beyond. This season, says Roy Phillips, is about the re-enchantment of the disenchanted world we have been carrying with us. This season is about awakening, awakening our hearts to a greater reality, a greater law. So friends, let go of your disenchanted either-or world and prepare your hearts. Make room in your hearts. Let every heart awaken and shine.
Friends, I invite you to remain standing and to join hands with those around you or put a hand on a shoulder, connect in some way with those around you to remind ourselves of those larger connections that holds each and every one of us. In this holiday season, in this Christmas season, may these ancient stories awaken our hearts. May they help us see a way to upgrade our operating system so that the world might truly live with that unified vision that I am you and you are me and together we are our brothers and sisters keepers. May it be so and amen. Amen.